Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. We ex- I tried to do the old one. We exist for the glory of God and the tone of His people. Now that we're doing video, I had to change stuff up and screwed it up. Follow us and you can find those links in the show notes. Join the discussion of the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge. I'm Cody Fields. I'm president of Westminster Effects. Go buy stuff for your guitar at westminstereffects.com. I'm joined in person by... Hey everybody, it's Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. And I, until you said something about... I totally forgot we were videoing. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm glad were I didn't you pick your my nose, nose or oh, something. Like, you know, the thought might have crossed my mind. If only. I mean, any self-respecting man is going to... Dig one out at some point in his life, right? That's right. <laughs> Especially if no one's looking. You just might as well. Sometimes when they're looking. Yeah. <laughs> just to make them extra uncomfortable, right? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we got we got some responses from the last one, the last episode that we did together mm-hmm. uh, about the situation with the International House of Prayer in Kansas City and Mike Bickle and the allegations surrounding that. Uh, where there are rampant allegations of sexual abuse toward Mike Bickle, mm-hmm. including uh, Matthew 18-style uh, confrontations that apparently didn't go well that have been escalated, so to speak. Mm. So I figured there's more stuff that's been coming out, like a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's just get some reactions. For one, they hired... Stinson LLP, which is a giant law firm. It's national. Mm. And then a bunch of people, let's see, 2,500. No, sorry. I'm butchering this on video. That's why we can't have nice things. 27 signatures were uh, put on a petition to not use that law firm because they're a renowned defense law firm. So instead of... Whose signatures were these? uh, Former... Uh, IHOP staff, former IHOP members, and part of a group called IHOP KC Survivors. And there was an attorney who used to be part of these people who said, yeah, this is a defense law firm. They're not an investigative body. What are y'all doing? Oh, okay. So the signatures are in protest. Yes, they're in protest. Because they they feel like the... What the leadership of IHOP might be trying to cover mount a defense uh, yeah. rather than yeah. walk through a process of restoration. Yeah. Okay. So so IHOP then said, okay, we won't use them. We've now hired a local lawyer. We're not going to tell you her name. Okay. So seems to be not very transparent there. Okay. And then it's been claimed that this particular and this isn't to gossip or anything. This is getting facts out, getting claims out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been claimed that this particular lawyer, someone said, oh, I know her. By the way, she's a member of IHOP. The lawyer is a member of yes. IHOP. Okay. That's the claim. Okay. So how does that strike you as a pastor, obviously from the outside? Mm-hmm. It would seem that this is not very transparent in the slightest. Like, I've got red flags going up with all of this. Yeah, maybe. Um, right. I think I think we got to watch it play out. Yep. Like, you know, I, I did not go on YouTube and read all the criticisms. You're better for it. Um, <laughs> of the last podcast. Uh, so I, 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 won't, I won't say, I think maybe we're going to address some of them. So maybe we will talk couple, about yeah. what's legitimate, what's not. But, you know, 
I think it is a legitimate question to say why why talk about this, why examine this, why scrutinize this. Um, it's because I think that we it we need to examine and see what comes at the end. Right. I, I, like I think the the mistake would be could be made on either side. Mm-hmm. Ignore this or just give Mike Bickle and IHOP the benefit of the doubt and just say, okay, whatever. They're they're gonna sort it out. Let's not let's not raise any questions. Let's right. not raise any criticism. I think that would be a mistake. Right. I think it would also be a mistake at this point in the process to jump to hard, fast conclusions. Yes. That particularly when it comes to attorneys. Uh, and and their associations or lack thereof with IHOP, I think we need to watch it play out. Yep. And I think we need to pay attention. Why? Because IHOP has a huge platform. Mm-hmm. That's why this matters. That's yep. why it does need to be talked about, and it needs to be talked about in a healthy way, not in uh, in jumping to conclusions about, look, like I, if Michael Mike Bickle did all these things, which it seems like there's legitimate evidence that he did, that's a huge problem, right? And it's not wrong to criticize, um, you know, and and point out the obvious sin and its terrible, destructive nature on so mm. many levels, right? Um, it's right to point that out, but I think you know, it it's it's good to note how how is this organization that stewards such a huge platform and and far reaching influence? How are they stewarding this? And that. Those do seem like red flags that I think we need to watch, pay attention to, and see how it plays out. Right. It does It does seem that there has been a pattern of these kinds of things surrounding this organization. Uh, for instance, <clears throat> everybody in the Christian world has heard of uh, grace, godly response to abuse in the Christian environment, mm-hmm. the, the group headed by Boz Javidjan. They did an investigation of IHOP in 2018. Uh, surrounding other claims not involving Bickle. Okay. Um, and it seems that the response from IHOP has been, okay, thanks, and then they didn't do anything with it. They didn't actually enact any any changes, so it it seems in terms of that kind of evidence that this is a long-standing issue in terms of the culture there, mm. which which we talked about last week. When you have a culture surrounding one personality, mm-hmm. that lends itself to these kinds of things of we have to make sure this guy's still in place. Otherwise, God can't move. Yeah, and, and, and which at the end of the day could be, would be a huge disservice, uh, not only to the organization, but to the individual. Right, right. You know, that, that he, I mean, just imagine the, the weight put on someone's shoulders like mm-hmm. Mike Bickle when the the vibe around your inner circle is we have to have you yeah come hell or high water yeah we have to have you otherwise you know this this is not going to survive this work of god is not bigger than you that's a that's a huge weight and a huge disservice to the goal that i think we all want which is mike bickle as an individual to get the help that he needs and um and grow in Christ and in mm-hmm. healing yep. uh, from whatever is broken on the inside that would lead him to these kind of behaviors. That's what we all want in the end. Right. Like IHOP is a thing. Right. 
It's a right. ministry. God can build a ministry in a day. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need Mike Bickle. He doesn't need Bradley Cox. He doesn't need Cody Fields. He, he he can build a ministry in the day. He'll take in a day. He'll take a lifetime mm-hmm. to build a man and work on a man. And 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 I think in some ways we have to separate our scrutiny of Mike Bickle mm-hmm. and our yeah. I mean the ministry that he's had for however many years. That's not a it's not above reproach. Mm-hmm. But we do have to separate the man from the organization in terms of our our criticisms and our hopes. Mm-hmm. And particularly in, in light of certain allegations leveled against him or against the allegation. Against the organization. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So uh, I've recently heard uh, Nate Wilson, Doug Wilson's son, say something along the lines of, Christians need to build institutions, but they also need to know when to blow up the institutions. Exactly. Uh, like we, we have, and he, he was talking more in the sense of uh, certain universities and uh, organizations going woke, being mm-hmm. soft on mm-hmm. sexual issues and stuff like that. Um, but I think it applies here too, is if this thing has actually, and we would have issues with the premise of, of the organization in the first place, but if it's actually outlived its usefulness and its, and its good use, then just let it die already. Yeah. Um, it, it's not about the organization. It's actually really about what God is up to in the yeah. first place. And, and, but you know what? That is so hard to do. Oh, yeah. This, when you grew this thing for however long, and I get it. I mean, I'll be candid. I'll be transparent. There's a part of me that wants to look at Res Church and not just think about Christ and his kingdom and his flock mm-hmm. and his people. Mm-hmm. I do think that way. Yeah. But there's also a part of me that looks at Res Church and goes, this is my life's work. Right. This is my baby. This is my baby. And I don't want it I don't I don't want it to be threatened by any outside uh, foreign enemy, nor do I want it to be threatened by anything on the inside. Right. I'm very protective. Mm-hmm. And I I recognize the difficulty in being self aware enough that you would say, you know what, we just need to let this thing die because, you know, Resurrection Church doesn't have to exist for the kingdom of God to advance. God is sovereign over his kingdom, and he's sovereign over his church. Right. And I pray, I honestly do pray, that the plurality of leaders and accountability that I've surrounded myself with here, Mm -hmm. that collectively, not individually, that pressure should not this is why the last time we talked about this when the pressure is all on one person yep yep it is too much to ask i'll say that i'll say that much it is too much to ask of anyone's character that they be self-aware enough to say this thing needs to die yeah now my hope and prayer and i don't say this with any sense of bravado i, I say it with humility recognizing that everybody on my leadership team is finite yes but i pray that collectively we would have the cojones. I'll just say it. We're allowed to say that. <laughs> we would have the cojones. This isn't the focus on the family. And I'm, I'm, I'm speaking a little tongue-in-cheek, really prayerfully, that we would all be led by the Spirit so that collectively right. we would come together and say, you know what? It might be the best thing in the world for this organization to die Yeah, because God's work in people is more important than a name, mm-hmm. a brand, 
uh, a piece of property and building surviving. I, I will say you do have scriptural warrant for saying cojones because Paul did say act like men when he's talking to the pastors. I read that verse just the other day and laughed. Oh, I smiled. Y'all, I think Paul and I are going to be good friends in yeah, heaven. Yeah, grow a pair, y'all. That's right. That's <laughs> Get right. a backbone. Yep. And then obviously the uh, the great uh, reference in Galatians of don't stop there. <laughs> just cut the whole thing off if well, that's what you're going to rely on. What does God say to Job? Gird your loins like a man. Yeah. Is that not yeah. Old Testament language? Yeah, put a for... cup on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, okay. So before we we move on, there's there's one other enormous, I think, allegation kind of going around. Uh, some people had an issue on YouTube with the fact that we were able to laugh and joke with each other during that last episode. Yeah. Um, and some people would even have a problem with that now. What would we say to them? I know what I would say. What would you say? I would say that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Mm-hmm. The, the, God's joy is how we fight. Mm. Um, and so what we don't want to be, like us being good reformed folk, we're not frozen chosen. We're not uh, dour mm. in our in our outlook. Read any of the Puritans, it's full of joy. Yeah. Even while they're... they're addressing enormous issues of the day and i think of latimer and ridley being burned at the stake by bloody mary and he said play the man master ridley and be of good cheer they're not going to be able to put out this candle yeah right and so it's the same kind of thing like how much how much more or less if if you will with my little old mike bickle right in the grand scheme of things right i i understand there are a lot of people hurting in kansas city but at the same time there's sorrowful and always rejoicing. Yeah. Well, I would go so far as to say for myself, if, if, if I gave the impression that I was taking delight in another's demise, that's certainly not my, no, that's not who I am. Uh, and I think my, one of the things I would say to that particular comment is, um, you know, I, I would, if you haven't listened or to our podcast uh, much at all, is is give give us give, give yourself some more time to get to know us a little bit to know yeah. that we're not the type of men who would just take some sort of you know wicked delight in the demise of another. That's not right. who we are. But I think your point is valid. I mean, I, I've been doing this Bible study on Tuesday mornings through First Thessalonians, and and we've been. At the end of chapter three, chapter two, and the beginning of chapter three, for a couple of sessions, and one of the things that we we've noticed is how Paul, in the midst of great distress and affliction, is incredibly happy. Right. You know, right. he's 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 incredibly joyful. Joyful dri- joy drives his life, even though in that context he's talking about being torn away from the Thessalonians. Mm-hmm after only being there for two weeks by persecution, being hindered by Satan from getting back to them. Right. And being so concerned that they might be tempted to walk away from the faith because of the persecutions and Mm -hmm. afflictions that he says, when I could take it no more, I sent Timothy just to see how you're doing. Yeah. Like if you, you could look at that passage and think Paul is suffering from severe anxiety mm-hmm. yep. he, it's Paul, paul's a yep. paul's an emotional disaster he's got to be but he's not if you look at it woven into that expressions of concern expressions of uh 
you know, like just genuine, authentic. I don't want to use the word worry or anxiety because I don't think it's that. Mm-hmm. It's genuine concern, yep. genuine love, genuine desire. He's genuinely going through some frustrations with being hindered from by Satan in some way or another from getting back to them. Right. And yet he's still joyful. He's still hopeful. He's still confident. And I think that's what we do. I mean, you go to this fight, laugh, feast, feast conference. Mm-hmm. What is that? Where does that name come from? It comes from the fact that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we're not laughing at another's demise. We, we're taking delight in each other and in the gospel and in the glory of God that we are absolutely 100% confident is going to be put on display through this situation in particular. Yes. In some way or another. Yeah. We, we also would recognize that there is a place for godly mocking. Uh, you read the prophets. You read Paul, for one. There's some, not just some, there's a decent amount of sarcasm all through the Bible. And so there are times, maybe maybe this isn't a, an appropriate time for mocking, but there are appropriate times within the body of Christ to mock each other in a godly fashion. Yeah, I think... <laughs> <laughs> Did I just open a can of worms? No. <laughs> I think what I would say to that is I don't trust myself to steward that. Fair. I, Fair. I, I would not disagree that that's in Scripture. But um, that that this is a maybe a you could chalk it up to it being a personal conviction of mine. Sure. Um, I mean, this isn't my podcast. That I'm I'm here for you because you're my friend and I love talking. Um, yeah. I talk for a living, but uh, I I I don't trust myself to steward mockery. Sure. Uh, in that in that sense, you know, people talk about anger. And justified anger. And, you know, there's one place, one place in the Gospels where it specifically mentions in Mark that Jesus was angry. Mm-hmm. One. Mm-hmm. So maybe, not maybe. Was that, that clearing the temple or was that, what am I thinking of? That's when he um, was in the Sabbath, in, in, on the Sabbath in the synagogue and he was about to heal the guy with was That's it the right. withered hand. That's right. Yeah. Um, so maybe, not maybe, definitely, because Jesus was perfectly righteous. He never sinned. He got angry and didn't sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I look through the I whole. I don't do that very often. <laughs> I don't do that. Like, like, it, it, seriously, I don't do that. I don't trust myself. Now, do I get angry? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do I sin? Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, spoiler I, alert. I read the rest of the New Testament, and here's what I see about anger. Put it away. The anger of man never produces the righteousness of God. Right. Let it be slow to rise, quick to be put away. Mm-hmm. You know, all that kind of stuff. I'm, I don't trust myself to get angry. I don't, I don't trust myself enough to think that I could be angry like Jesus and not sin. Sure. Nor do I trust myself with mocking in a biblical way because I don't. I don't know that I, I've been conformed enough to the image of Christ <laughs> yeah, to be able to do that and it, it, and it not, it, and it be fruitful. Right. That's just what I would say about it. I just think my, you know, I'm probably talking too much. Um, I think I've pushed some buttons today <laughs> or maybe, or maybe this other thing that we're dealing with has pushed some buttons. No, it's pushed some buttons for me because I, I care about the church. Right. 
and I'm not trying to sound sanctimonious, but I genuinely care about the church. I care about ministries and I care about ministers. And I, I've had a lot of experiences. And I have a growing desire to see the church, capital C, get a lot more healthy. Yeah. Particularly in America. Mm-hmm. Years ago, a mentor of mine that I distanced myself from because he was too deep into the charismatic word of faith camp. And I, mm-hmm. I, I put some serious tracks between me and him relationally, but I'm still grateful for the, you know, the time in my life where he was beneficial and influential in my yeah. life. He was on a plane. This was probably 20 years ago. He was on a plane and he sat down and looked over and John MacArthur was sitting beside him. Huh. Now you can imagine. Yeah. Like talk about two to unlikely. Be, <laughs> to be a fly on the wall. Uh, like aviation partners <laughs> at that moment. Like I, it, it, this guy's a charismatic word of faith, speaking in tongues, prophesying, <laughs> big old assembly of God preacher. Yeah. Okay. And you right got next me, to the strange fire guy. Right next <laughs> to the strange fire cessationist guy. And but my my friend was he had some wisdom about him. And he looked over and he said, Dr. MacArthur, my name is Tony Miller. I'm pleased to meet you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate your ministry. I have a lot of respect for you and your I I don't know what all but he he started like that. And then he said, if you could say anything to the church in America right now, like what do you think the church in America needs more than anything else? What do you think it would be? And here's what MacArthur said, discernment, mm-hmm. discernment. The church in America needs discernment. And I think that's absolutely right. Yes. We need to be able to look at the attractional model church, the seeker sensitive movement the Word of Faith movement, the Charismatic Pentecostal movement, the Uber Reformed movement, yep. the Heretic Hunters, mm-hmm. the Mike Bickles and the International House of Prayer and the Kenneth Copelands and the Benny Hens and the John MacArthur's and the John Pipers. Yep. We need to be able to look at all of that and have discernment. Right. And discernment is going to include criticism as well as affirmation. Right. There's, there's, we... The church in America does not have a whole lot of wisdom in being able to say, I disagree with this one particular thing this guy said, mm-hmm. even though I agree with 98% of the other stuff that he says, and then recognizing that that one thing, for instance, uh, Piper's comments on uh, not defending himself and his family if someone broke in. Uh, I don't know if you remember those. Oh, I do. Okay. So, so said he wouldn't defend himself or his family. And I think that's an atrocious statement, but Piper wrecked my theology. You're not going to throw the baby out with it. You're not going to throw out desiring God. Right. (laughs) Because Piper has a conviction against physically defending himself. Right. Now, if, now if he went on further and it just kept growing from there, like the slippery slope kind of thing, yeah. then, then maybe I start to say, okay, I treasure his old stuff, but his new stuff, I don't know what he, where he's going yeah. with this. And that, yeah. and that's a fair thing to say. Yeah. We don't do that very well in America. Yeah. And, and, and I think, I think, you know, on both sides of every criticism, there's the, I think typically speaking, the fallacy of, sizing everybody up by one thing 
Yes. And I, I hope that we didn't make that mistake or come across as if we were making that mistake with this Mike Bickle thing, that we're totally sizing him up based on one thing. Right. This isn't about just one thing. Yeah. This is about an organization, a ministry that has a lot of doctrinal problems, mm-hmm. a lot of cultural and ecclesiological problems. Mm-hmm. And you, you might disagree with that. Okay, fine. We can have that discussion. In addition to that, there's some serious sin and abuse that has taken place that if it's being justified or if there are attempts to justify it or cover it up for the sake of an organization that's gotten too big to let die, mm-hmm. what what does the body of Christ need? Discernment. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I don't think we're exactly. at the I don't think we're at the point with this IHOP thing where we should jump to conclusions. Right. I think what we should do is be willing to talk about the things that are worth being criticized mm-hmm. so that we can grow in discernment without coming across as if we're taking delight in another's demise. Right. Um, and yeah. And, and without putting ourselves in a place as if we are the, we are the standard and everybody else is the, you know, trying to measure up to us and our opinions. That's not, that's not our posture. That's not our attitude. And I think if you listen to this podcast more than five episodes, you're going to see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or more than that one. <laughs> that, exactly. That went semi-viral. Exactly. Uh, now, one last claim, <laughs> and then we'll move into some of the questions that we got. Okay. Guy named Joel Richardson. I'm not familiar with this guy at all. Uh, but he was apparently supposed to speak at IHOP this week, this coming Sunday, mm. and he canceled. Mm. Uh, and he said that the leadership team, and this was all on Twitter, they lied to, or X now, um, they lied to his face, and he won't share the platform with such dishonest people. And he's willing to lose his entire ministry over that claim. Now... What are they being dishonest about? We don't know. We don't know exactly. Uh, so IHOP's being dishonest with him. Correct. With regarding the allegations. Regarding and the regarding allegations. how they're handling them. And so he's not willing to get on their platform. Correct. Okay. And he said, I'm willing to scuttle the whole his entire public ministry over that. Hmm. So that seems to signal is he a part of IHOP or is he his own thing? He's his own thing, okay. to my knowledge. I'm not familiar with this guy. Okay. so, um, But that would seem to signal we might need to keep our heads on a swivel with this. Uh, he could be overcooking it. He very well could be exaggerating for attention on Twitter mm-hmm. because that's really easy to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I may have done it a time or two mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or Facebook or whatever. Uh, it, it's entirely possible that he's simply exaggerating things. It also could be that he's caught on to some things that he does not like the smell of, and he wants mm. to distance himself from that, particularly because he mm. was just scheduled to be there. Yeah. So yeah, that's not saying necessarily someone's guilty or innocent. No. But red no. flags all over the place again. So. Yeah. You know, I, back to MacArthur, I heard I heard him say one time, you know, and and for those of you that are now listening to this podcast that weren't listening before this last episode, you may or may not know that I have a I have a level of confidence when I speak critically about the Pentecostal charismatic world. Right. Because I am 
one who grew up in it. Yes. I, I've spent my whole life and the majority of my ministry career in that world. Mm-hmm. Now, I've left that world now. Right. Um, Whereas if I have a, a criticism, I'm like the worst continuationist on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> right. they, so, they, so that's a different level where yeah. you have insider experience with this movement. Yeah. So, it you know, speaking critically about IHOP for me, mm-hmm. uh, I'm less inclined to criticize John Piper and John MacArthur mm-hmm. because I didn't grow up in that world. I'm, I'm not – I've read – tons of their books and yeah. I've listened to tons of their sermons, but I don't, I don't feel like I'm the one to necessarily speak up and cri- be super critical of them because I'm, I've kind of come in, I'm Johnny come lately with that world. Right. But in the Pentecostal world, I've been around it. Mm-hmm. I have been in so many services where so-called prophets and people with fresh revelation and words from God and all kinds of stuff. I've been in so many of those environments. I've been in so many of those services. Mm-hmm. I've been in so many of the all night prayer meetings where we're going to pray the glory down. Whew. I've been in that world. Yeah. I know what that world's like and yeah. I know the damage that it can cause mm-hmm. because it is experientially driven with lacking biblical roots. Yes. So if, if my, if my radar is a little more up when it comes to IHOP and Mike Bickle, that's why. Yeah. And that's you why. You have good reason. I have good reason, and I have experience in that world. I know what that world's like. And having come out of it, mm-hmm. and now being in a place where I really want to be a word and word and spirit person. I mm-hmm. want to I wanna expect to have an experiential relationship with the living God that's rooted so solidly in biblical truth. Yes. I want that. And so I'm grateful for my experience. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful that I've come out, but having come out of that movement and now looking at it, I think with more biblically informed perspective, I I see the landmines more clearly now than I ever have. Yeah. Um, and I'm not one to throw out my continuationist bent. I'm not, I'm not, I will never do that. I, I've started to think more recently that the advent of the Pentecostal charismatic movement starting in the late 1800s was a lot, in a lot of ways, God telling the church, you're not relying on me enough. You're trying, and especially coming out of the second great awakening where it was very man centered, very man's effort Mm. centered with, especially Charles Finney, because Charles Finney was a heretic first rate. Mm. He preached sancti or justification by works period. Mm. He denied the atonement, et cetera. Yep. Um, and then throughout the rest of the 18th century, or I'm sorry, the 19th century, you have more man-centered theology than, no, than so ever true. before. So, true. so then God uses this destructive movement to remind people, you're missing something here, yeah. even though so much of their foundation was completely off yeah. and still is. Yeah. And, 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 and hear me. If you want to look at the the history of Pentecostalism and the charismatic movement and say, but look how much good it's done. Look look how necessary it is for the body of Christ That's pragmatism to lean into the work of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. I would say yes, amen to that. But if we're going to maximize that, if, if that was a net benefit, mm-hmm. 
if we're going to maximize that, we're going to have to be critical of yep. the things that are destructive, that are mm-hmm. deadly, because MacArthur said, I think I started to say this and never finished it. <laughs> I heard MacArthur say one time that he feels like the majority, the vast majority of the doctrinal and cultural problems in the church in America right now and in large part around the world are flowing out of the Pentecostal charismatic movement. Mm-hmm. Word of faith doctrine. Yep. Prosperity gospel. Yep. Um, overemphasis of particular gifts, mm-hmm. uh, words they, from God, even, even misdefinitions of particular, e- gifts. even misdefinitions, words from God that trump scripture. All of that stuff is is at least being fueled by, if not rooted in, the Pentecostal charismatic world. Right. And I don't, I don't think we need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. I just think we need to be, we need to recognize the dirty bathwater, the difference right. between the dirty bathwater and the baby. Yes throw out the dirty water and keep the baby. Yeah. That's what we need to do. Yeah. All right. So moving on to some of our YouTube comments, we called Mike Bickle a heretic and someone asked, how is Mike Bickle a heretic? So for one, false prophecy is taking, taken very seriously in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Deuteronomy 18, you get one shot. If you're ever wrong once, you are a false prophet and God's people are told not to listen to you ever. Hmm. Well, Mike Bickle admits to having blown it prophetically and then says it's not a big deal. Then he goes on to say that 80% of the prophecies in the charismatic movement are false. Mike Bickle said that? Yep. He said at least 80%, whether it's people making it up or just getting it wrong. I might agree with him. Yeah. That's not good. That's, no, it's not good. That's not good. So, one, he he admits to being a false prophet, <laughs> biblically speaking. Or at least that he's spoken false prophecy. You know, again, like I, I do we label somebody a false prophet for one false prophecy? I think maybe, so. Maybe, probably, maybe. Um, you know, I you know what I <laughs> Oh, I pushed another button. Well, again, (laughs) given my experience in in my history. Right. I would love it if I could if I could if I could have everybody in the Pentecostal charismatic world in front of me in one sitting and they would actually listen to me for five minutes. If they would just adopt a posture of humility. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you would say, you know, I think the Lord is saying, but I'm not sure. Let's test it. Let's pray. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the scriptures together because I, I sense this. I feel I'm okay with that. Right. That would go a lot farther than thus saith the Lord. You have to listen to me. Yes. And, and, and you know what? It would, for all intents and purposes, remove even the potential for false prophecy. Right. Because there's a posture of humility that says, God is a perfect speaker. I'm not a perfect hearer. You, if you've got that posture, then you don't have to be labeled a heretic. Mm-hmm. We don't have to call you a false prophet. Mm-hmm. We don't have to dismiss you entirely. We can just say, yeah, you know what? You felt this. You sensed this. It it, it turned out it was just some bad pizza. And, <laughs> and hey, let's let's learn from this. Let's grow from this. What, what you know? If we would just adopt a posture of humility, that's what's so frustrating mm-hmm. to me. And mm-hmm. I feel like I, I am not I am not okay with 
a posture of like some people call them the heresy hunters mm-hmm. where they're just out looking to call anybody and everybody a heretic because they're a couple of clicks off. I don't like that. Right. At the same time, I don't like us being unwilling to go, you know what? That's wrong. Yep. That's false prophecy. Mm-hmm. And you need to stop it. Right. You don't, you need to quit coming up in our church meetings and saying, thus saith the Lord. And you're just making stuff up. Right. The the difference between a legitimate ministry that focuses on discernment and says, this guy said this, good, bad, or indifferent. Let's yep. compare it to scripture. Yeah. And the, man, you, you accidentally typed a lowercase g for God. <laughs> yep. You're going to hell now. Um, okay. I, 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 let me give you an example. I, sure. When I was in college, um, which I went to a Pentecostal school, and mm-hmm. we, I was a part of a worship choir and band that traveled and ministered in all kinds of churches all over the country, um, most of which were Pentecostal churches. Yep. And one of those services that we were in, there was probably, you know, 1,000, 1,500 people there, and there was this so-called prophet that was brought in. I'm trying to remember his name. I wouldn't be scared to call his name because I think he is a false prophet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just can't remember it right now. But I can see his face. But he stood up there, and he started this "Thus saith the Lord" stuff. And man, we were so young and impressionable. Mm. And we went back to our campus and started a twenty-four hour prayer thing that mm-hmm. we try I think we kept it going for a little over a week. Yep. Because of what he said because we clung to it. Mhm. We clung to it at the expense of clinging to scripture. Yep. We clung to it at the expense of dependence on God. It was dependence on what that guy said. And that is toxic all the way around. Yep. It's toxic for the hearers and it's toxic for the person who gets up and claims to be such. Yep. Uh so second heresy as i would call it the word of faith influence on mike bickle of mm-hmm. name it and claim it mm-hmm. of god can't operate on earth unless there it's through a willing human participant yep of even the ihop basis of this is enabling jesus to come back yeah that's garbage well it's merit based yes end of story <laughs> there's a whole book of the bible about that yeah <laughs> of the New Testament about that. There's an epistle about that. It's merit based. And right. I like I you know, I struggle. What what is the you know, the, the people that want to push back and say, you know, just look at all the good that's happening and, and ignore this and that and I'm just like but Paul said, you know, if anyone comes to you in, in Galatians, if comes to you and preaches another gospel, you tell them to go to hell. Mm-hmm. That's literally what he says. Yep. Even if it's an angel. You mm-hmm. tell them to go to hell. And I I, I don't want to be cavalier about that. I don't trust myself. Correct. I don't trust myself enough to be a heretic hunter. Mm-hmm. But And we don't do a whole lot of that on this podcast. We don't. But what I will say is that in addition to the body of Christ lacking discernment, um, particularly when it comes to all things Pentecostal, charismatic, we are also lacking in discernment uh, when it comes to... Um, the ways in which the poisonous um, doctrine of merit-based relationship with the living God yep. weaves its way in 
to mm-hmm. our thinking and to our theology and to our doctrine, to our churches and to our church culture. Right. It was woven into my church experience. Mm-hmm. I would venture to say, it's, I know it was woven into yours. Oh, yeah. And I venture to say that pretty much everybody's listening to this podcast has had to filter through and sift through that stuff. Right. So we just got to call it out. Anything that says what we're doing right here is going to usher in the second coming. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> uh, so last one, the uh, the prophet, so-called prophet Bob Jones that we mentioned last time who admitted to things within the IHOP context uh, had a vision once where basically he claimed to relive Isaiah 6 for all intents and purposes. He saw God in front of him. And he said his first thought was, that is not the same God as the Southern Baptists, to which Mike Bickle agreed. Hmm. And when you say, I don't worship the same God as you do, I'm inclined to believe you, Hmm. which I say that soberly. Like, I don't say that flippantly at all, but it's kind of along the same lines of someone who's very anti-Calvinist, who starts to say, I could never worship a God who X, Y, Z. I, I typically warn them to be really careful about that. Because so he claims he saw God. Uh, Bob Jones does, yes, <laughs> and lived no less. You know, honestly, I just don't know why. I mean, I, I'm op- I mean, I'm open to being told. I'm, I'm really am. If somebody would explain to me why is it that if you have a if you have a biblically soaked mind. Um, and I'm not talking about being a biblical expert, a biblical scholar. I am not a right. scholar. Sure, I'm nowhere near a scholar. We go, we go take this, you know, class on Revelation with G.K. Bale, and I feel like a worm compared <laughs> to a guy like that. Yeah. No, I do. I'm, I'm yeah. serious. I, I, I do not consider myself to be a Bible scholar, but I, I would say I have a biblically soaked mind. Correct. Uh, I don't. I don't necessarily have my head around everything in Scripture, but my my mind is soaked with Scripture because I'm in it all the time. And I don't say that to to laud myself. I just it's just true mm-hmm. because I I think that the Word of God is that essential to my life. And when I hear stuff like that, I you know what I want to do is I want to just go click. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why we don't do that. Right. Like. It, 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 it because others don't have so much of the the American church does not have a scripturally soaked mind. Well, and that's true, and that's why I feel like um, I'm I'm really happy about the place in ministry that I feel like the Lord's called me to occupy. Is that I'm going to take you know, and and I use these terms with all all the love and affection and endearment that I can possibly uh, muster. I'm going to take my little church and the little portion of the flock that's been entrusted to me, mm-hmm. and they're they're going to have biblically soaked minds. Yes. that That is, I, I think that's why I breathe. I think that's why I'm still breathing. Right. If, if, I, if I reach some sort of finish line the Lord has for me in that re- aspect, I think I'll go home to be with the Lord at that point. I think I think that's why I'm on the planet, and that's not for the world, not for the masses. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's my calling. Right. This is this podcast that you do through my brand. Yeah, is attack on. It's, it's an attack on. I I I'm focused on. I wish you know. There's there's a window right here, and out this window I can see 
you know, the rest of our church property and, and a little bit of the main building, the sanctuary, um, I'm focused on that, those people, mm-hmm. the people that come here and gather for worship right. and discipleship because I want them to have a biblically soaked mind that when they hear people like this, no matter how impressive they may look, no matter how big a platform they have, they say stuff like that, click. Yep. That's really where I think it's and and you're focused enough that every now and then, not often, I get kicked to the curb when we record. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, I don't do it flippantly, right? <laughs> Except that one. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, so, a couple other comments, real quick. Uh, one, there were a couple comments on the headline. That was my doing. That was not Bradley's doing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have nothing to do with the titles of these things. We talked so about that, that a little be, bit before. Yeah. Nothing to do with it. Right. Um, there was also one, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it, it honestly got kind of personal, which I don't like, but basically said, uh, well, how's your walk? Do you have any sin in your life? Like basically insinuating that this could blow up on us in our personal lives, our relationships with our families and stuff like that, which... I mean, yeah, we, we have sin in our lives, but it's not the, – the reason that we can comment on these things is because Scripture gives us qualifications for pastors and deacons. Yes. And as far as I'm aware, you meet those. <laughs> I, I do. Um, I, I mean, I, I say that, I mean, soberly. I mean, they're – By God's grace. By God's grace, I'm meeting them. Uh, I might not be meeting them tomorrow. Right. I mean, by God's grace, I will. Right. Um, But I, you know, look, there's no disqualifying sin in my life. Um, But that doesn't mean that my life is free of sin. Right. Right. Um, There. This is how reformed we are, is we understand that it's literally only God's grace that has us in the in the place to be able to even comment on it. Yeah. And, And and I think. Look, um, I I don't I don't I'm not offended by that comment. Sure, not at all. I mean, really, it's truly, I'm not offended by that comment. If if somebody wants to say, well, Bradley's probably got sin in his life, like, yep. What what I can tell you is that I don't have a disqualifying sin in my life. Um, I have people around me holding me accountable mm-hmm. uh, to that standard that the New Testament sets forth for an elder mm-hmm. pastor. Mm-hmm. But I do have sin in my life, and I I. Um, I'm on a journey to kill that sin, right. as Piper says. You know, like yep. every day we wake up and we kill sin. Yep. We, we we strive for that, and that's what that's what we do. Uh, but all by God's grace. So if you if you want to say that, fine. Yeah. W- what I would say too, though, is the fact that I might have sin in my life, disqualifying or not disqualifying, in terms of my being a pastor. That does not mean that we should not address sin. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, yep. this if, is this if you is, never address sin as a pastor, nothing would get done. No, no. <laughs> we, I mean, we we have to we have to be able to talk about this, and 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 you know what I will grant is that the church has not done a good job of this. Right. We either we are either shooting our wounded or covering crap up. Yep. And somehow we've got to find a better rhythm with that. Yep. And you know what? If we're going to do that, we're going to have to talk about it. And mm-hmm. so we're 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 growing with you, and hopefully you're growing with us in that kind of maturity. And we want 
we want Mike Bickle to repent of whatever crap is in his life yep. and of his crap doctrine. Yep. We, we would like to welcome him into the fold as a brother. Totally. What I don't see right now is evidence of that doctrinally or if these allegations are true in that regard. And what we what we want, we're not gloating. Uh, and we we even ended with this last time. We want Mike Bickle to hang out with us in the resurrection. Totally. Uh, because Jesus is king and we would prefer, like like we've been going through Habakkuk. Mm-hmm. And your sermon last week was on basically on the fear of God. Yep. And it doesn't just mean reverence, it means fear. It does. Because God really is that fearsome. Mm-hmm. We don't want Mike Bickle to stand before the King of Kings not covered in Jesus' blood. Totally. Because that would go poorly for him. It would. That's the understatement of this entire podcast for the last however long we've been doing this. Anyway. Amen. Closing thoughts? Good stuff. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Here, not at IHOP. Sorry. <laughs> go love God, love your neighbor. Make some musicals. See you next time.